Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, this is not the usual episode of this podcast. There's not going to be a lot of politics in here, except stuff that pertains to uh, <laughs> Star Wars. Um, this is going to be an all-Star Wars episode designed purely to offer something that is uh, a complete break. I always say on this show that you have to feed the other hemisphere of your brain. If you're an angry lefty and all you do is consume news that makes you outraged, you will be as insane as the people who only consume right-wing media. You'll be morally correct. You'll be on the right side of history. You'll still be batshit. So if you're not a Star Wars fan, thank you for clicking. You don't need to listen to this. We're going to do a deep dive into uh, a real geek hole of an episode because Star Wars is the religion I grew up with. The religion I was raised with was Roman Catholicism. Um, my mom, as you may know, was a nun. My father was a Franciscan, and I grew up deeply Catholic and deeply progressive. But the first religion I ever chose and was drawn to was Star Wars. Um, I was very little when episode uh, four, the first one, came out. My cousins down south took me. We were about 15 minutes late. We walked into the movie theater uh, when C-3PO was already in the Jawa Sandcrawler. I missed the whole beginning of the movie. Uh, I understood none of it. I was so small. Um, I knew that one guy was named Luke, and I was changed forever. And my mother always said I was changed forever. Um, the mythology of it uh, uh, affected how I viewed everything, including storytelling, including religion. Uh, I picked up so much from Star Wars in terms of storytelling and crafting and acting and language acquisition. How many kids learn so many words? Um, and I like things like that, that kids get obsessed with. It drives them to want to read a lot about it. I read every magazine. I, do, I thought I knew the name of every crew member on the movie. Uh, by the time Empire Strikes Back came along, um, that was it. It was my whole life uh, beyond the action figures. I mean, Empire Strikes Back, I have this theory that Empire Strikes Back gave uh, my generation more lessons than anything else. I mean, think about all that happens in that movie that a, a 10-year-old could pick up. You, you will get separated from your friends. Your parents aren't who you thought. Um, that's true for Luke. You learn in that movie, sometimes grown-ups who are good people also lie. That's Obi-Wan. You learn that your anger will kill you if you can't control it. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is a movie that teaches you, yeah, you won last time, but today you're going to lose and you're going to lose again. And also, you don't know how this is going to end. Life is a cliffhanger. That's Empire Strikes Back. It's a film that teaches you your friends will betray you. Appearances are deceiving. Uh, Yoda explained the human soul beautifully to me when he said, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. It teaches you the person you least think possible could be the love of your life. 
and the person you think you're going to be with might actually be your sibling. That's not the best lesson, but it's it's sort of in there, too. When I was a teenager, I went to this tribute um, to Alec Guinness at Lincoln Center, and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher both spoke, and, like, Vincent Price was there, too. It was really amazing. It was a few years after Jedi, and over the years, my love for Star Wars has stayed. I, I went to see all the special editions on the opening night and all the prequels. I, I do a good job of passing for a normal person, but I'm someone who is really influenced by this, and I, I get the cultural appeal. Um, I don't really get into hating Star Wars movies, uh, even the bad ones. I'll find good things about and if i disagree with the director's choices i don't really uh let it ruin my day like many i've been depressed at seeing the toxic fandom from people after uh ryan johnson's um movie the last jedi which i love i think there's problems with it and i still love it can you handle that i mean the toxic fandom of star wars goes into racism and sexism it drove kelly marie tran and daisy ridley off the internet off social media uh, but that's enough more proof it's a religion right Every religion has the, the mainstream the mainstream congregation, which is, you know, oh, I grew up watching Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is like Christmas. It's part of all of us. We grew up with it. We take it for granted. Some of us really love it. Some of us just like it. Um, then you have the kooky ones, you know, the culty ones, like the ones who like the prequels better and defend Jar Jar Binks. And then you have the hardcore fundamentalists, the haters, the ones who are willing to inflict pain on people for not practicing the religion the way they think. And that's people who go out of their way to be shitty because they don't like plot choices in The Last Jedi. I said I wasn't going to get political, but it happens. So episode nine is opening now. And over the years at SiriusXM, I've been privileged to have a lot of stars of the, of the various Star Wars films on my show. Mark Hamill has done our show about three times. He's been a real prince. Um, Oscar Isaac has done my show a couple of times. Donald Gleason, Diego Luna, who I loved in Rogue One, and he's getting his own series on Disney Plus now. But with episode nine opening, you know, I sort of feel how I felt about episode eight. Um, in the case of episode eight, the majority of the critics loved it because it was great. A lot of fans hated it because it was flawed. And I had no problem with both of those things coexisting. Sort of like how I feel about most of the Democratic candidates. Now, a lot of critics don't like episode nine because it's a mess. And I agree, there are massive plot holes. It contradicts a lot of smart things Ryan Johnson did. And at times it's, it's more reverential to the fans than to the themes and storytelling. And I completely loved it. I've seen it twice and it's better the second time. One of the smartest people I know on Star Wars is executive producer of Tell Me Everything, our show on Sirius XM Progress 127, Chris Hauselt. Uh, you might have forced, first fallen in love with Chris when he was exec producer for uh, Stand Up with Pete Dominic. Now he's forced to work with me. Uh, on progress after dark and chris is not just a massive star wars fan he's also intelligent and functions in society better than i can so i sat down with my executive producer for a conversation about the themes in star wars and what it really means and um i hope you like again this is not for everyone and i promise i won't do this again until we do a deep dive episode on the beatles or bob dylan or the godfather films or the 86 mets hope you enjoy this is me and chris household all right. They asked me to, to, to share my experience with um, eye puffiness under the eyes. And, and it's 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 tragic because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I don't have eye bags. I have like Mario Cuomo level saddlebags. Like I have luggage, like the bags under my eyes are so big, they, they get cable. And, and you know, you've heard about remedies over the years uh, from hemorrhoid cream. Uh, I did it wrong, too. I won't explain, but they're not letting me back. Um, in CVS ever again, uh, tea bags, cucumbers, and you know, they don't really work. 
Well, that's why I was excited to learn about Plexiderm, because uh, Plexiderm, you know, it works, but not taking days or weeks. It's a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates under eye bags and wrinkles from view in like minutes. Okay. The science behind Plexiderm is incredible. There are clinical studies to back it up. And if you find yourself looking older and tired because of crow's feet or wrinkles or under eye bags, you can look younger in just minutes with Plexiderm. Don't take my word for it. I'm just a disembodied voice. See for yourself. Watch a real video with real people and see how fast crow's feet and wrinkles and under eye bags disappear. The results are backed up by Plexiderm's 30-day satisfaction guarantee, which means a lot to me. Go to triplexiderm.com and use the coupon code SEXYLIBERAL for a discount. That's triplexiderm.com. Use the code SEXYLIBERAL or call one 800 685 1292 and mention sexy liberal check it out try plexiderm see what it does for your under eye bags and again if you're not satisfied they do have a 30-day guarantee what have you got to lose besides looking like mario cuomo and me Chris, I'm very grateful that you would do some such an unholy experiment as this. Well, I was getting uh, something to eat for dinner, and I got woozy and passed out. And I, when I came to, I was in this room, taped to this chair, and so I guess I'm happy to be here. Well, I mean, it's it's you know, it's I mean, it's not duct tape. You can get out of that quite easily. I'm very frail. Well, you know, it, it, Star Wars is not for everyone, so I know a lot of folks who normally listen to the pod might skip this one. Uh, it's their loss because I do think that uh, a lot of us who've grown up with this culture, you know, really can reflect um, the changes in the society along with how these films have gone. And God knows George Lucas has done tons of uh, politics in terms of how a republic devolves into an empire, and there's all kinds of jokes and stuff. But at the end of the day, day it's fun and it's healthy and i want to start by asking you the the typical question okay. of, a, of a master star wars fan like yourself oh, right. uh if let's say someone is coming to the franchise that's brand new or you got a kid coming up uh what order should people watch these movies okay what is the because every fan has a different a different order for it i will uh, hat tip uh one of my favorite movie websites called screen crush because mm. uh, i kind of up until I re- they wrote an article about the order to use. Yes, I read that. Uh, and so I think up until I read that article, I probably would have just said, oh, just start at one and go through the, to nine. But. I and if you're a child, I think that's good. If you're a child, sure. that's good. Uh, but we're, in a, we're modern people. and We don't have our whole lives to spend watching movies we don't need to. So I'm going to tell you this. Uh, start with Rogue One. Gutsy call. Um, and then go immediately into A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Then Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. But before you before you move on, go back and watch Revenge of the Sith. Yes. And then that sets the stage for what's really at stake in Return of the Jedi, which I you're going to watch next. Mm-hmm. Then leave the movies behind and go watch The Mandalorian. Okay. All right, which the uh, uh, season should be over. Um, Almost. <clears throat> Then you can watch The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, probably Rise of Skywalker. Um, and then later on, at your own leisure, um, at some point, you probably should go back, back and watch The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, but no rush. Okay. Uh, and you managed to leave out all three uh, animated series and Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, Solo, uh, you throw all those things into like the grab bag at the end. I agree. Like If, you, if, you're, if you've seen all this stuff and you want to go back and you want a taste of the Star Wars world... Um, that you don't have to really think too much about 
and fill in some gaps and you can watch all the cartoons and then watch Solo. <laughs> now, I should point out that we're recording this before we actually see uh, Episode 9, Rise of Skywalker. So there may be things in this film that call back the first two movies, which would then require you to see them to see a, sto- a story does, arc. It does not change the way I feel. <laughs> there's a, 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 um, there's a, it feels like 40 minutes. Was it four years that um, the first movie spends on Tatooine, um, mm-hmm. including the pod race? And it, and I remember even so young and so wide-eyed watching that movie in the theaters for the first time and like thinking to myself, boy, this has been a long time we've been on this planet. Yeah. Do we really need to sit through a dust storm? Like, oh, we're, yeah. We are real-timing it through this dust storm right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that they just – I just watched a three-course meal happen during this dust storm. I, I, I show that film to kids, and I ask them to try and tell me who the protagonist is, and like, I've never I, gotten I a straight answer. I think Shmi Skywalker is the, <laughs> the protagonist, and it's about how great of a cook she is. I mean, is it is that the worst Star Wars film, or is it really episode two, which, you know, they tried to get away from, from all the politics by having a love story for the kids to buy toys? Uh, well, didn't George Lucas paint himself into, like, a corner with that? Like, he needed a lot of exposition to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I think what the first three movies suffer from is that kind of like four, five, and six, they do cover a large amount of time. Uh, And so going back now and watching the cartoons, I think that I've realized that um, there's a lot of characters and things that happen during like Attack of the Clones that are like paid no attention to. Like you start to find out about you start to find out about Grievous, mm-hmm. but like you're like, well, who is this guy? He looks so badass. Why is he more a part of the film? Yeah, but he's a huge part of the cartoon, and he's kind of goofy in the film. And I think that that's kind of the whole plan. I think that all those cartoons and the storyline, the ideas for them were kind of seated in the. So it was like, well, this this is a larger universe. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that was you know so wise. We yeah, we don't I need mean, to have Grievous fleshed out here. He, we can have five seasons of Christmas. For years, the, the animated series, The Clone Wars, before Disney bought the property, that was the, the top-rated TV show in America for boys. So there really is a generation that grew up with that. And I'll be honest, if you watch the, the original animated Clone Wars, the Gendy Tartakovsky, yeah. which uh, won a couple of Emmys, and the then, 2D, and then, and then fell off the face of the earth. You can't find it anywhere. But if you watch it, it's actually better character development than the, the live-action films. Is there anything, before we get to the good films, yeah. is there anything about <laughs> The Phantom Menace uh, that you would... Uh, recommend i think that as as uneven and messy as it is it does have some some nice moments i think um the pod race of course is very cool i think the lightsaber battle at the end of the movie um and that whole final sequence uh is great duel of the fates the music is is that song um is probably the best thing to come out of that film i agree uh i think it's one of John Williams and not like i'm a classical music uh, aficionado or even a movie soundtrack aficionado but um, I think the minute people heard that piece of music, you realize that, like John Williams had created something really new and special. Yeah, it deserves a, a, a good movie uh, from like the, the Gregorian chanting and mm-hmm. and like the the urgency of it. Very very good piece. Of yeah, I, I still believe that um, someday. Years from now, Disney will bring someone in to recut that movie with all the footage Lucas shot and try to just make it a somewhat more streamlined special edition. Yeah, it would be really cool if somebody just even like, like, why doesn't Bloomberg take some of his <laughs> billions and just like redo the VFX? Yeah, well, and, like, after he buys Fox News, modernize it a little bit. 
um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's pretty rough. And it's, uh, you know, three is good. And you can watch them all without watching those first two, especially if you're doing it with a, uh, what's that word, with, with, a, with a woman. Uh, I would recommend it. With a date, I would recommend skipping yeah, the first anyone, two. Anyone with anything else to do in their life. Why do you think it is that this film became so completely um, interwoven with with such a generation of people. I mean, I grew up really believing that, like, it, it is a religion. Um, at one point in the book Skywalking, a biography of Lucas, came out in the 80s, mm-hmm. Francis Coppola had said he was, you know, uh, he thought that, that it should be a religion. And in the UK, people do put down Jedi as their religion on census forms. And I've always had a theory about that, that, like, we're raised with this um, model of religion, but then suddenly something comes along that makes spirituality come alive. Yoda saying, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter, was the first time I understood the soul. And I also think that, like, you know, a lot of people could see the reflection of the God Jesus thing in the Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker. The father's a lot more powerful, but the son's not a dick. Right. I see that. I get that totally. I think that it has a lot to do um, with the time in Western culture that these movies first came out. And so um, even though they... So, so I'll th- let's say Star Trek is another great example. Star Trek and Star Wars, um, they both have these amazing fandoms that kind of rose out of the 1970s, early 80s American yes. culture. And so this is, I think, before this is before the internet. This is before we were so plugged in instantly. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of distance between all of us. And so these properties were things that we could have shared experiences over, uh, and, and they would bridge distances where you would go to a meetup of people who also liked Star Wars. Yeah. And you could instantly have a frame of reference to talk to strangers and meet new friends over. Uh, also, I think it's because George Lucas well, was inspired by the things that influenced him, that kind of nickel matinee yeah, uh, cinema. Yeah, very uh, much the serials so the of the 1930s. Thing, kind of like the Indiana Jones movies. It's mm-hmm. like um, there's it's it's sci-fi, but it has this uh, nostalgic kind of past tense uh, reference point. Yeah, it, it's the episodic nature of the serials combined with the Joseph Campbell myth study, and then just cool creativity. Right. You know, I think The Mandalorian is a great example of how you can take this universe and really, really, I mean, way beyond Rogue One, like create a, a whole fresh series. And since Disney took over the franchise, I mean, Rogue One was a war movie. I mean, yeah. and Mandalorian is a Western. Right. And it's interesting seeing how they're taking Star Wars and just playing around with genre now that they get away from these main don't characters. Don't they have to, though? I, I was talking yeah. to a friend of mine um, who um, very much has not enjoyed The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens um, for different reasons for each film um, but loves The Mandalorian thinks it's so great and so fun <laughs> I believe that and I said that I, I think that the reason he likes it so much and he's, it doesn't look there's a lot of fan service in The Mandalorian yeah. there's a lot of kind of playing upon what came before mm. um, but he enjoys it because the people that make The Mandalorian are free to create and tell a new story even if they're using a western or like samurai epic kind of touchstone yeah um and they're not they don't have this like religious obligation to like close the loop 
of the Skywalker trilogy. Exactly. Like, they don't have to go to the story group and be like, well, would they do this because Han Solo once said that this, and like, they don't have to do any of that. No, it's, it's beautiful storytelling, and it's also just fun. And every time I watch it, I watch it with this little child I live with. And when I'm done, I'm always like, wow, this is really a show that works for grown-ups and kids. And it's weird if all said, action. I watch it with this little child down the street. I watch. I have several children around. Um, there's reasons I can't run a Cub Scout troop, but that's a whole other conversation. Off the field, I'll sing again, Bob. Well, it's been fun for me because my, my Henry and I started watching the whole thing uh, in the summer. We started with episode one, like in August, because right. I just knew it would take a long time. Yeah. Didn't watch all of the animated shows by God but like there's certain episodes of the Clone Wars series and of the Rebel series yeah. that I think are, are kind of integral to the overall Skywalker story I made you watch right. those I mean some of them are just adventures for adventures sake it's, yeah it's an episodic like, they're like we gotta do 25 of these a season for exactly uh, you know these Jedis that like had no lines in the movie but still got an action figure if they get a, a story hello, arc hello Kit Fisto right <laughs> but um, like I made you watch because I was watching with my kid the last three episodes of Clone Wars season 6 which are all Yoda centric and all right. about what the force really is and it goes so much deeper into it than the movies ever went and I thought well this is for nerds but it's also you know great storytelling and it really gives you another way to look at spirituality in much the way I think episode three gives you another way to look at politics yes 100% and don't you think um, by the way I just was going to say Dave Filoni is the guy responsible for the Clone Wars and he's also behind the wheel with Jon Favreau on The Mandalorian so I think that's also a very big part of why that show is He played those three X-Wing pilots that blow up the the space station that's the three directors of The Mandalorian Don't you think um, that the religious aspect of like this idea of the Jedi Order although it's been very convoluted as this movie's go on there's a lot of once they start adding nuance to the the whole Mm -hmm. thing it does all kind of fall apart yeah but the very basic concept is this very um a golden rule like sensibility and what i mean is that it, it flattens it out to a very basic like there's good and there's good bad and evil. yeah light there's, and dark treat people how you want to be treated don't be a jerk and you know like the force is kind of like the good you put out into the world mm-hmm. and the th- the actions that you uh, do have consequences and you can affect the world around you for good or ill and the choice is up to you to decide who is going to be on the receiving end of what so now um, is empire your favorite of the of the feature films um probably i really really liked the last jedi i loved it um I I'm get all the critiques. Say, I don't think say, it's perfect. I'm not going to say that I liked it like more than A New Hope or Return of the Jedi, but maybe because it's newer, I probably would watch that. I've seen those other ones so many times that I'm just not bored going back to yeah. it. But yeah, probably The Empire Strikes Back. Um, let's talk. like Snow. <laughs> Let me ask you about what some of your favorite performances, because people don't usually talk about the acting in these films, and they forget that. Best Actor Oscar winner Sir Alec Guinness got an Oscar nomination for A New Hope back in uh, (laughs) that's a great Ewan McGregor Um, but like I think there's been some lovely performances both in terms of just quality of acting and then just like some Billy Dee Williams bringing some good flair to it what are some of the performances that you've liked in this series don't you think like I mean casting Harrison Ford as Han Solo was probably the best decision George Lucas made I think uh, asking Harrison Ford to read with the actors who were auditioning was the best decision he made because it allowed Harrison Ford to read this on camera a hundred times with different actors and get a sense of the character. Because like he's so like this like kind of like natural kind of who gives a crap uh, performance that's probably not too far off from like what 1977 actual Harrison Ford was like. Well, it's not unlike you know the character Bob Falfa he played in American Graffiti. Right, and and um, but it fits because yeah. I feel like. 
um, there's a lot of it takes this idea of this futuristic sci-fi thing and it's like no no, no it's also the cool neighbor from down the streets in it yeah uh, like the, the greaser bad guy you know somebody uh, on Twitter today this this guy Daniel Kibblesmith um, had a very funny tweet and he was like why who decides in the Star Wars universe who speaks British and who doesn't who decides when <laughs> Carrie Fisher's going to be British and it will not be British he was, he was like why are there some actors who are British but in Star Wars aren't and then there are other <laughs> actors who aren't British but in Star Wars are mm-hmm. yeah who who decides it's like you know well you should probably talk with a stiff British accent that's why the Mandalorian got it right having Werner Herzog as the escaped Imperial because they right. just go straight for it oh these are Nazis in hiding in Argentina <laughs> I need to to see the baby Yoda, <laughs> um, never look upon him. Th- tell me, like I, for my, for me, my favorite <laughs> performances in the whole series, uh, I, Ian McDiarmid as Palpatine, uh, I think is just beautiful. It up. W- but to watch him from the first movie, he's the best reason to watch the first two episodes because he's having the most fun. He knows what he. And by the by, yeah, by episode three, he's just delicious. I thought Harrison Ford in The Force Awakens, when he shows up an hour into the film, it's like Pacino in, in, uh, in The Irishman, just an hour in, oh, I forgot, you're in this movie, and he brings so much energy to it. I think I, some of my favorite performances might be like the smaller part actors. Um, I loved John Boyega as Finn. I think Daisy Ridley is a great Ray. Me too. I don't know if she's a great actress, but I think that... Um, she was right for that part because there's an innocence to this uh, character that I think uh, she can portray really well with her acting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's like the smaller, for some reason, I think the like the small role actors are the ones, like here, all right, one of my favorite things in all of the Star Wars movies, one of the things that endears me to the franchise the absolute most is the little bleepy bloops that like the droids make when they think they're alone. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense <laughs> yeah, to you? Yeah. When like R2-D2 is going through a valley and he's just like, <laughs> like whistling, kind of like, you know, or like, or just like little, like talking to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like things like that are why I love the the, the franchise. Um, you know, I love, Mark Hamill's done our show a couple times and uh what I love is his performance and he, he's been very public about how much he did not like the experience of The Last Jedi. It's really fascinating watching that movie, the director and, and the Jedi that's um, on the on the DVD where you yeah. see this, this struggle that he had with Ryan Johnson. But it's amazing watching, first off, how good an actor he is in the original trilogy because from A New Hope to Return of the Jedi, he is the only character who really evolves and grows and is a different yeah, person. And you, and you can tell. But I also think Hamill, and I've said this to him, you know, his career has been so fascinating that like he, he completely reinvented himself as a voiceover actor in these three decades. Right. And along the way, he became an even better actor. So looking at him from A New Hope and then watching his performance in The Last Jedi, which I, I really thought deserved an Oscar nomination for supporting actor. I mean, it's amazing seeing like, wow, he just he got so much better and it made the character so much deeper. And didn't like, isn't it doesn't doesn't the the accident he had have something to do with that too as well though that he looks like, different yeah um the same way that like uh, uh bob dylan's accident kind of like had an effect on like the way he made music and his voice and if it really like was that. an accident yeah but you know what i'm yeah. saying like like the you know this this kind of tragic thing but in a weird way it it also could show on the man's face it's when true. he was in character and so he almost had no choice but to kind of evolve uh, uh, yeah but th- I mean like that performance in Empire Strikes Back the depths of anguish he goes to and what was at the time a kid's film you it's know, so impressive to as, watch as it. hard as it was for him uh, I think that his performance in Last Jedi was great 
Oh yeah. Uh, like I went back I, and watched great. it the he's other day. Fantastic. When, when he, when he's going about his daily business and like squeezing the green milk out of the mm-hmm. walrus teat and then like, <laughs> like swinging across the thing, like his attitude and facial expressions during it nails it. The whole, and the whole thing is, you know, he, he, he didn't like what Ryan Johnson had written for the character, but he commits so completely to something he doesn't agree with. And it's amazing watching Mark Hamill seemingly because he's exploding Ray's expectations of yeah. what Luke Skywalker is, but he's doing it for the audience at the same time. You know, in a way, and I know this parallel, I think was intended by the filmmakers, um, his training of Ray, Luke Skywalker's training of Ray. Uh, it does, in, in I think, feeling mirror the training that Luke received from Yoda. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, um, although just not as cute and ornery and old and funny. With like, mm, like stealing his light and all that stuff. Well, have you seen the deleted scenes? Because um, there is one scene they cut out where he's just a flat-out dick to her. Really? And it, uh, yeah, where he, he warns about marauders coming to the island and completely... Oh, right, right. He tricks her. her. He and punks she, her hardcore. Yeah. And then laughs, seemingly for no reason. Like, you know. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I do think that it was very... Because he does end up training her. Yeah. I, like, I don't know why people couldn't have... Like, you know, when she's like, I feel it, I feel it. And he's like tickling her with a fern. It's I'm like, it's so very... Like, can we... Like, you can laugh. No, when you least expect it, he's dark and then he's hilarious. It's, it's lovely to it watch. It was weird, though. When he fought Kylo Ren and did the whole scene in Joker voice, that was a little, <laughs> that was off-putting. Uh, I love Christopher Lee as uh, as Count Dooku. He's seventy-eight years old when he did that. But don't you see? And that's that an, fight with that's Yoda. another character where it was like, we have Christopher Lee in this movie. What have you done? Nothing they, with they, him. They do nothing with him. I mean, cause especially the, after Lord of the and Rings. The characters all over the Clone Wars cartoon series. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you hope? This film will accomplish episode nine that you're probably seeing within oh, a few hours after this I mean, recording. That it it's going to close up the whole cycle, and hopefully, um, it will leave Star Wars in a place where more things like The Mandalorian or Rogue One, or someday down the line somebody comes up with a new idea for a trilogy that can live in that world. Yeah. I hope it doesn't break it. I hope people aren't like kind of sick of it. You know, the guys who made Game of Thrones were supposed to make a trilogy and they, yeah, they backed yeah. out and the rumor was that they were just afraid of toxic fandom. And it's one thing that, you know, Star Wars fundamentalists are just like any other fundamentalists and people who hate the sequel trilogy um, really do ruin the, the, the party the way other people do. It's one thing to like, you know, not like the choices they make artistically, but to be so racist or sexist, you hound Daisy Ridley and, and Kelly Marie Tran off of social media. Yeah. It's just like... The idea of loving something so much that you hate it is a very... Or that you hate anyone who alters what you think it should be. I think it's a very teenaged idea. I think it's a very uh, young idea. And I think maybe the internet or social media right now is in like like this ornery teenage phase that I hope we grow out of or else it's going to all fall in on itself. Like like 10 years ago, we all just loved everything and we were just happy to be here. And now we all <laughs> are experts on everything and we love everything to the point where we hate it. Like we feel like I was reading a lot of the Rise of Skywalker hashtags and a lot of complaints. And one of the main things that you notice is that everybody kind of thinks that they're as good of a screenwriter oh, yeah. or you know, it's been such a part of our lives that we all think that we know what should be done oh, of with course. the universe in the story. Of course. And I think it's social media that gives us that air of authority. But you know what? I mean, when Dylan went electric, the true fans literally called him Judas. I right. think that whole, you know, Puritanism and this whole thing of like, you know, an artist creates something and uh, it has to conform to what I want it to be. 
<laughs> yelling Judas. <laughs> just absolutely crazy. Uh, let me let me ask you one the last most question. Most docile people in the world, and all of a sudden they're just howling mad because yeah. this guy plugged in his guitar. Yeah. Oh, to live in that simple uh, but world. But Dylan, I mean, Dylan plugging in was what Ryan Johnson essentially did. It's like here's something that's really wonderful, and it's going to remind you of what you love, but it's going to be different from what you love. Right. What do you do when someone tells you like they they don't like Star Wars? I want I want to just close on this note. Like, how do you how do you explain it to someone when they say why do you like what, why does it mean so much to you? And I know it's really a male Gen X thing more than any other demographic. I do you know what I do? It's the same thing that I do when I talk to someone about Donald Trump. Um, I don't I don't start off and tell them that they're wrong. I start off by asking them what they didn't like about it. And then piece by piece, I go and explain, or hopefully uh, my counter is to show them how foolish it is to be mad at something on that regard. Like somebody will say like, um, I can't even, like, a, oh, it was a, a unearned Daisy Ridley's Ray character has, a, she's too powerful. No one trained her to do, I'm like, look, <laughs> so that's the problem. But uh, this the Luke kid who's never left his uh, desert planet is uh, shooting an ace in the hole in the Death Star, you know, and all the training that he had was like five minutes with a blaster shield over his eye. There's a Wookiee. I mean, you're going to be upset about that. That was true after after last year. Bombs can't fall in zero gravity. Exactly. I'm like, they make rocks fly in the air in this like, thing. You know what? Also, every starship doesn't make a whoosh sound. Blasters mm-hmm. don't make sounds. <laughs> and things don't ex- like have a big explosion sound when they blow up. And yet, we've had that for 20 you years. You know, I, I, I'm quitting Harry Potter because when you ride a broom in the sky, it doesn't make that sound, okay? It doesn't yeah. make that sound. It completely ruined it for me. Uh, favorite moments from the films? Moments um, that are just, you're, you're going to carry the rest of your life. Great. I Well, I, I made a quick list of my favorite battles. Okay. S- uh, space battles. Great. Um, I think that um, the Coruscant battle from Revenge of the Sith is uh, one of the best parts of the first three movies. Um, which, I, which in the third act when they're when they're trying to kill all the Jedi in that uh, battle? No, I think it's earlier in the film. It's like this big kind of all. Oh, the of place. course, the opening in, scene. Yes, yeah. um, I think the Jabba's um, uh, skiff. That whole section, that whole beginning part, because it's about 30, 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah, but that whole section of Return of the Jedi is like totally worth the price of admission. Yeah, the whole first act. I love the Battle of Crate. I love the look of the Battle of Crate from yes. the Last Jedi. But I think. Maybe my favorite space battle is the Battle of Scarif from Rogue One. I think yeah. that might be the biggest contribution that that film makes to overall Star Wars because it was a it's a really tense, satisfying space battle, and it's not even until the very end of it that you're like realize what you're being led into, which is like oh my god, oh my god, wait, this is the thing that's happening right now. This is how the disc and the plans like literally the next scene that happens is the beginning of the next movie. And it's phenomenal. Yeah, I just got to watch those two back-to-back with my little one. It's so much fun. It's, it really, like, it pays itself off so well. Chris, I'm so grateful to you that, you know, you would you would come uh, and give up your time to talk about this because uh, it means so much to me. It means so much to so many people. And I'm really a fan of hearing smart talk about it. I think that, you know, at a time with this impeachment and our country so divided, um, I'm thrilled that something devoted to fun and intelligence uh, is going to keep on going on. And I, I hope Ryan Johnson still makes his movies. I hope yeah. they make a lot more Star Wars. Well, thanks, John. Thank you. Now, if you just loosen these knots a bit. Huh? No, I'm so sorry about that. It's actually, yeah, it went from, by the way, he started with tape. He betrayed his own premise. <laughs> but hey, we're talking George Lucas. Is portraying your own premise. <laughs> Not that far off. Thank you, Chris. Midichlorians. Oh, God. We, I thought we'd get out of this without saying it. We'll be right back. 
So the holidays are coming. There's office parties, family gatherings, and a lot of pictures of you smiling are on the way. And if your teeth are discolored or coffee stained, or in my case, tea stained more often, uh, that's a difficult part of the year. But not me, not this year. I'm going to have sparkling, pearly white teeth because I'm holding my fresh box of power swabs. That's right. Uh, You never... Uh, knew really what uh, white was until you whitened with power swabs. They're clinically proven to whiten an average of two shades in the first five minutes. Five minutes. You've got five minutes to take a better holiday picture, don't you? Power swabs never leave my teeth and gums sore and sensitive like other whitening treatments. You don't have to peel them off afterwards like those strips and all that. It's totally safe and effective on all dental work. And if you're not happy, Power Swabs are back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. You need to try Power Swabs, and you will not believe how much whiter your teeth will be in five minutes. Uh, I got you a great deal. Go to buypowerswabs.com, buypowerswabs.com, and use my code SEXY, S-E-X-Y, all caps, so they know it's from me. And and you get 40% off an additional $10 off, plus a free quick stick. Yeah, that's right. 40% off, plus $10 off, plus a free quick stick. I'm, they're basically giving him to you for free just because you're using the code word SEXY, S-E-X-Y, for me, the OG sexy liberal. Or you can call 1-800-668-1749 and use my code SEXY. That's buypowerswabs.com, code SEXY. Visit buypowerswabs.com today. I hope you enjoyed our weird little Star Wars only episode. Um, by the way, you can write us anytime at johnfuglesang.com. We have a great online store there. If you're looking for last minute gifts, by last minute, I mean, you know, Happy New Year's. Haha. Um, and uh, please, please, please um, come see our live shows. I've got a couple I want to announce. I'll be doing a, a tour next year with Louis Black and Alan Zweibel. We are the Magnificent Bastards. Our first show will be on Valentine's Day at the Madison Theater in Rockville, Rockville Center, Long Island. Uh, so come have date night with the bastards i'm also going to be doing um a political show uh, a crazy liberal show up in uh, hopewell new jersey at the hopewell theater with the great scott blakeman on the 21st of february so come on down to those lots more shows being put up on my website thank you guys so much for listening and thanks to everyone at the stephanie miller sexy liberal podcast network hey this is ryan knight and if you've enjoyed this podcast you're gonna love my podcast amped up with proud resistor where we dive deep into progressive issues, Trump's crimes. And we have great guests like Rosie O'Donnell, Rob Reiner, and Malcolm Nance. You're such a name dropper. Oh, you know. So come on and join us at Amped Up with Proud Resistance on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network.